And again, I remind my kids that someone who has self-confidence, who feels good about themselves, would never engage in this type of behavior. There is always, always something shameful beneath the surface they don't want you to see. So they put on this armor of strength and this front of tough guy so that no one can see their vulnerability. And I'm absolutely convinced that emotional intelligence is the key to a life of success and happiness for us adults and for our children. And actually, it's not just me, but the research fully supports this. It's really the most important thing we can impart to our children. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone, and welcome. So I got a really great question from a parent about three weeks ago that I really have been wanting to get to because it's really about us as parents trying to manage that fine line between supporting our kids and what we think might be overdoing for them and overprotecting them. And there can be such a fine line about this and how do we know, <laughs> you know, which, what we should be doing? Are we overprotecting them or are we supporting them through something that they really could use our help on? And that's going to be helpful to them moving forward. Are we scaffolding them is a the term that early educators like to use scaffold to kind of hold them up before they can do certain things for themselves. How do we scaffold our kids, but make sure that we're not holding them up too much where they can't develop their own strength and skills to carry themselves forward. So this is a topic we're going to talk about today. So here's the email. Maud wrote in and she said, Hi, Aaron. My seven-year-old son is very independent and walks back from school on his own, which is about a 20-minute walk from our house. He's happy to be independent. And since it's quite a steep incline from his school to our house, we live in Switzerland, which sounds awesome to me, by the way, although I do get cold, but I would love to visit Switzerland. It looks like a beautiful country. Anyway, It's actually keeping him in such good shape that he ended up landing the gold medal in his school race against 100 other pupils, which made him very proud. It's also worth saying we just moved into this new town and he made a lot of new friends. He's a boy who's good at staying out of conflict, who is very attentive to others, what I might call a tender soul. In that context, he has been bullied on the way back from school by a group of boys who are three years older than him. They keep trying to tell him to take another route home, calling him little guy. Last time, they even insulted him, calling him a bastard. He came back home crying. My first instinct is to send my husband to these boys to metaphorically grab them by the neck in his speech to let them know that our son is no victim and that if they keep looking for trouble, they'll get it. But that may not be the best way to approach this. I remember in another podcast that you mentioned it was important for the victim to ask the bully to stop in a very assertive way. But when it's a group like this, I'm afraid an assertive response might even get them in more retaliating mode and that they may be physically aggressive. We want to help our son avoid the pitfalls of becoming a victim. And we know it's important to act fast and adequately before he sees himself as one. Thank you for your advice, Maude. This is 
Such a great question. Thank you, Maude, for writing in. Thank you for trusting me with answering this question for you. So first, I'm really sorry your son has to endure this. And it's really unfortunate that his desire to be independent and all the benefits he gets from walking home are potentially thwarted by a couple of kids trying to assert dominance and deal with insecurities of their own by picking on someone when the power dynamic is clearly imbalanced by both age and therefore likely size and number. So if we talk about bullying just for a second, about the definition of bullying, this is definitely, it fits the definition of bullying. And it is something that is repeated, it's intentional, and there's some power differential. So we've got all three of those. There's a power differential both in age and size and in the number, as well as obviously it's repeated and it's obviously intentional. They're not like, you know, just saying something mean and just because they're angry. It's, it's, this is an intentional trying to overpower someone, trying to scare someone, trying to get him to change his behavior. So I also want to commend you and your son for the training efforts for you, both of you as parents and your son on his training efforts for his independence, your acceptance of this level of independence. That's not easy. And especially when he's dealing with something like this, and this is a hard earned win. So you know, maybe this has piqued his interest in running and sports and physical fitness in some way. That's all really positive. And either way, I'm sure that that has been a really positive experience. And this walking and the independence has been a very positive experience outside of these incidences that he now is dealing with. So while all the advice is to stand up and tell perpetrators or bullies to stop as a first step, kids when confronted will usually back down. But you know, you've got a power differential here. I agree with you. It's really hard to stand up to bullies. And especially in situations like this, there's a big age difference. There's probably a big size difference. He's outnumbered. This is a really big ask, right? For your son. As adults, we walk a really fine line between giving our kids this opportunity to problem solve, to solve their own problems, to assert themselves, their independence, to stand up for themselves and robbing them of these opportunities or of you know getting them into a situation that could be potentially dangerous that they're really kind of in over their head and it's hard to know which is better. But what I'm going to say in this instance, I think adult intervention is warranted. If your son were a really accomplished uh, martial artist or boxing or something he felt confident and empowered, if these boys did decide to try to physically overpower him, and chances are they won't, but you don't know and you probably don't want to take that chance. Or they could just try to grab his bag, throw it down. They're going to try to belittle him, make him feel small, just overpower him in some way. So he really doesn't have the means physically or socially, emotionally to take on this level of challenge. So just to tell them like he's not changing his route, that they don't intimidate him. So they need to find someone else to pick on. This is unbelievably difficult and it's something he obviously doesn't feel very comfortable doing and feel like he has, has the skill to physically stand up for himself if they were to try to overpower him. And I, and I think it's very possible that they would maybe not at first physically hit him, but they may try to grab his bag and throw his backpack on the ground or something like that. They might just push him, but he doesn't need that. So first I'm going to share my anecdote of dealing with a bully with my younger son when he was about five or six. I think he was about six. Then I'm going to share some options for you to guide your son and give him support so that he can continue to walk home, build his independence, his fitness, and some bigger lessons and takeaways that you can discuss with your son about the situation as well. So I've shared this in an 
older episode. I probably shared it a couple of times, but it's really a good story to share here. So Chandler is my younger son. He was five or six at the time. And it was supposedly a friend. Older son played with the older son and Chandler played with the younger son. So they were kind of a group of four boys who played together. But um, Chandler's a very, I don't remember the words you used. He's a very, Chandler's a very sensitive soul. You called him a tender soul. Exactly. And uh, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he, he's, you know, a little older now. So not as much as he used to when he was younger, but he was easily visibly upset when something upset him. He wasn't able to suppress it like some other kids. And so when this boy, we actually had a play date, we went to the pool, we met up and it was the two moms and the two sons and her son was being just really awful to Chandler. And she didn't do anything, which I was kind of surprised. And um, I just said, all right, Chandler, we're going to go. And I just picked up all our stuff and we left. And there was a couple other adults there who helped me take my stuff out to the car where it's all these towels and floaties and, you know, big donuts, whatever. And the guy, one of the guys who helped me carry my stuff out, he was like, he was being really rude. He was being a real brat. He's like, I I can't believe his mom didn't say anything. And I was like, I can't either. But, you know, we're just going to pack up and go home because Chandler was just so worked up and angry kept telling him to stop and he kept bugging him. So of course he got a reaction. So that fueled him. And so he continued to bully my son, particularly they were in a a swim team together, the neighborhood swim team. And he continued to bully him at swim consistently, mostly when they were in the pool, in the lanes at the pool, um, when there were no adults around, he would do it and they were sitting around in little groups So he just started to really pick on my son more and more and more. And he just felt more and more empowered to be able to do this. And so I, we talked to the coaches, we talked to the parents and the coaches said they would keep them separate. They said that they would, you know, do everything they could to make sure that Chandler felt safe. And, and I talked to the parents and we talked to the mom and I said, I need you to talk to your son about this. This is not okay. We're not going to accept this. And it just didn't get any better. Um, The coaches tried to keep them apart, but this boy was like a moth to a flame. As soon as he saw Chandler and he felt like he could get close to him, he would swoop in and just start picking on him, just picking, picking, picking. So one night this boy came to our door and he came ahead of his parents. They were all walking over. The parents were walking over to come see us. The kids were walking over to come see us. And for whatever reason, this younger boy decided to come ahead of his parents and come knock on the door. And so we invited him inside and sat him down at our kitchen table and gave him a pretty stern talking to because, you know, we weren't getting anywhere with, with the adults, especially with his parents and getting this fixed. So I just said, do you know why we want to talk to you? And he said, no. And I said, I think you do. And so he said, cause I've been mean to Chandler. And I said, yes, and I need you to knock it off. This is not acceptable. And we're going to have a real problem. And that was the end of it. He never bothered Chandler again. Uh, the parents also stopped talking to us, <laughs> which I was fine with. I was like, I just needed to protect my child. And, you know, I empowered him with the tools as much as I could, but it wasn't making it better. I taught him, you know, to say, stop, I don't like this. You're not, you're being mean, like all this stuff. And it wasn't getting any better. So, and it did go away the next year. I will just share this the next year at swim. One of the parents was sitting there. I was sitting near her. All the kids were in the water and she pointed out to the same kid. And she said, that kid bullied my son in school all year. And that was my biggest fear is if we didn't stop this in the summer, that Chandler was going to go to school and this kid was going to bully him at school where I'm not there and I can't do anything about it. 
And so I looked at her and I said, you know what? I'm not surprised because we had a problem with him last summer and I knew he was going to find someone else to pick on. So that's just kind of my illustration of sometimes as adults, we need to step in, right? We just, we can't leave kids to just figure it out or just be able to problem solve for themselves or just pick themselves up by the bootstraps and, and just, you know, just ignore it. It'll go away. It, it doesn't work that way. That's not how bullies usually work. Okay. So I'm going to share some options for Maude and other parents who have ever had to deal with this, unfortunately, very common issue right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads love where you live. Now that we're back, here are some options, especially for you, Maude, and, and for anyone else who's dealing with, with any kind of bullying incidents or has had to deal with it or, or want to know how to deal with it if you should come across it. I think the very first thing in this case even is talk to the school if you think these boys potentially go to the same school. I'm not quite sure how the educational system in Switzerland divides grades, but here in the U.S., 10-year-olds are in elementary school just like 7-year-olds. 
and so likely would be at the same school. If you think this is a potential or very likely, or you know that they go to the same school and just happen to be walking home and that's why they're running into him, I would approach the school. I would get really good descriptions of the kids. I would even take pictures of the boys if possible. So, you know, kind of walk your son home or kind of walk, you know, away and just observe and get some pictures. The school is not responsible for kids once they leave the school premises. At least that's the case here in the U.S., right? They're not responsible for the child all the way to their door at home. But they might be interested to know and they may offer some assistance in identifying the boys in talking with their parents and letting them know what's going on and that there could actually be some repercussions at school for the behavior on the walk home. I don't know, but that is a possibility. And as you can tell from my story, I personally think there is nothing wrong with an adult stepping in and confronting these boys or any bully if there is an opportunity. I have no tolerance for this type of behavior. If I ever found out my children were acting like this, I can tell you they would be in some really, really big trouble and there would be a lot of social emotional work going on at home. My kids would have never done that, but you know, we had talks about that. If I ever hear that you're behaving like this, you know that there's gonna be some really big problems here at home. You're gonna be in really big trouble. And they're like, oh yeah, we would never, we would never. And and they're not. They they've always they're just really wonderful kids. But in this dynamic, there's likely a leader and two followers. The followers are probably also afraid to stand up to the leader because they don't want the leader to turn on them. And so they follow along. Now, I think an adult stepping in will let these boys know that this behavior will not be tolerated. Obviously, some stern words. I wouldn't threaten any physical harm or retaliation. But the conversation that I would have would be something that distinctly describes the situation and calls out the cowardice that's being exhibited in this choice. Then follow up with a consequence, something like, obviously they're not your kids, so you, you, know, you can't do a consequence like you can with your kids. But why do you feel the need to bully a younger kid? You do realize there are three of you and one of him. Strong people don't feel the need to assert dominance in this kind of cowardly manner. And I'm curious what your parents would say if they knew you were behaving in this way. I'll be keeping an eye on the situation. If I see any further trouble, I will make sure your parents are aware of your behavior and choices. Something like that, some pretty stern words. If you can get the school involved, I think that's the best option because you can kind of stay out of it. You could step in and just either walk your son home. You could stay uh, behind and kind of see what happens. These are all some options. And You can do, you know, some combination of all of this, whatever you feel like is is best, but you want him to feel safe and you want him to feel empowered in his independence and you want him to be able to keep doing this without feeling like he has to worry about these kids, you know, scaring him every day from school. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the dynamic of bullying. So you can talk with your kids about it and also some lessons you can share with your kids when they experience challenging things like this especially with other kids or really any challenging life experience, but in particular about bullying type experiences. And I've had these conversations with my kids, mostly my two younger kids, because they both dealt with kids who bully or intimidate. This is the conversation that we've had. I talk about how kids who choose to antagonize other kids, to try to overpower other kids, or try to control or manipulate other kids, don't feel good about themselves. Kids who feel good about themselves, who have self-esteem, who have goals, who have emotional intelligence, do not pick on other kids. 
kids who target other kids are trying to fill a need of feeling powerful. They want to feel powerful because they feel powerless, not because they already feel powerful. This is an unmet need they are trying to fill. I also remind my kids that we don't know what's happening in their lives. We don't know what's happening in their home. That's not to excuse it, but it's to help them understand. We don't know if there is financial strain at home. We don't know if there's an illness with one of the parents or a grandparent or something like that. If there's a lot of stress in the home, then kids will feel it. A home where parents are struggling to the point where it's palpable to the kids means the adults don't have the skills to manage these bigger challenges in life and their emotions around it that are really important that we have to deal with when life gets rough. So if the adults can't manage their stress and their emotions and process their emotions in ways, and it's all kind of spilling out at home in ways that burden the kids, then the kids aren't going to have the skills either. That's not the kid's fault, but it also doesn't mean that your kid should be someone's punching bag, like literally or figuratively, right? Like your kid still deserves to feel safe in the world. This is not their problem. So the kids need a different way to figure out how to cope with it. And bullying is not the answer. So what I tell my kids is that unfortunately at this point, kids who make these types of choices, the ways to deal with their feelings of stress and inadequacy of powerlessness by threatening others, they're currently on a trajectory for a lot of struggle. And again, I remind my kids that someone who has self-confidence, who feels good about themselves, would never engage in this type of behavior. There is always, always something shameful beneath the surface they don't want you to see. So they put on this armor of strength and this front of tough guy so that no one can see their vulnerability. And I'm absolutely convinced that emotional intelligence is the key to a life of success and happiness for us adults and for our children. And actually, it's not just me, but the research fully supports this. It's really the most important thing we can impart to our children. Now, unfortunately, these conversations don't remove the anxiety and the fear and the experience of facing these kids, at least not right away. But over time, it does help our kids gain perspective, see it for what it is. It's a weakness, not a strength. And it does make them less fearful of dealing with kids like this as time goes on, as they get older. So these kinds of conversations, although they take place over time, I will have them many times, they are empowering on a deeper level over the long term. Kids learn how to put these experiences into perspective and see them for what they are. Now, my oldest is a prime example of best case scenario of what can happen when we give them the tools and the opportunity for high emotional intelligence and confidence. Because he has this level of self-confidence that is extremely unusual for middle and high school kids, where he really doesn't care what other kids think, particularly kids like that, kids who are going to make choices like that. Like he just doesn't have time for them. He is focused on his goals. He's focused on his future. He does not have the time or the energy to spend worrying about kids who are struggling through life and think they're going to try to take some of that out on him. And he actually told a story just the other day I had never heard before. He'd never shared it because it just was a, a not a big deal to him. It just was like water off a duck's back. Um, it came up in conversation because a sister was talking about how one of the mean girls in school, now they aren't mean to her, but they tend to try to intimidate other kids. 
But these girls come to my daughter uh, for help on assignments because she's a straight A student. She works very hard and I know she has the answers. And so they, you know, sit there and chat with their friends and they don't really apply themselves. They don't focus. And then they want her to give her the answers. So we were talking about how these kids are really going to struggle if they always need help to get through some basic assignments in middle school and how, you know, they're making this choice to like kind of be in these friend groups and, you know, and make these choices about, you know, friendships and kind of fooling around is more important than focusing on their future and their work. And that's unfortunate, you know, and there's a lot of reasons behind that too, that that's the choices they're making. But anyway, Carter was talking about how a couple of the meaner or tougher kids in his school approached him because he was the new kid in middle school in seventh grade a couple of years ago when we first moved to town. And so they approached him and they started trying to provoke him, trying to see if he was a good target, if he was going to fold, if he was going to get upset or anxious, and if they could maybe start to kind of jab at him a little bit. And he's like, I just looked at them like they were crazy. It's like, I didn't even answer them. He's like, I just got up and walked away. So, you know, this is his self-confidence and he isn't one to need that approval from others, especially those kids that he can read right away that they're struggling, they have struggles and they're not at all on the same path as he is of this focus and the goal-oriented future. So to him, they just aren't worth a second thought. And he's like, they aren't even in my school anymore. He's like, I don't know what happened, but you know, here he is off and going with his future of, you know, becoming a pro tennis player and he's a musician and he's a straight A student. And he's just, he's got his ducks in a row. Now, the last thing I wanted to be sure to touch on is as much as we wish our kids never had to deal with this kind of stuff, we'd love the world to be full of people who are all supportive and kind and celebrate each other's strengths and differences, but we don't. But there's always a lesson in these experiences. And so we want to use whatever opportunity for whatever lesson there is. So teaching our kids how to advocate for themselves is one of the lessons. And I don't mean, even though we may step in and advocate for them with the bullies or with the school or the coach or wherever this is happening, it doesn't mean we're leaving them to fully advocate for themselves, but we are teaching them that they get to decide what behavior they will tolerate and how they're going to go about problem solving. If that means bringing in an outside help, they bring in outside help. And it shows them that they are valuable, that they are meaningful, and that they deserve to have a life of peace and not have to be dealing with this and that they can go and seek help. And so as they get older, they'll know like, hey, this is not okay. I'm not okay with this. And I'm going to figure out what I need to do to take care of it. It may be something like they decide they want to learn how to box or do a martial art. And yes, that takes years to get proficient, but you never know what path that this could lead them to? Like what's going to spark in them that may not have happened otherwise? So there is always something positive that comes out of these experiences. You just have to find it, find the lessons and share them with your kids and have some discussions and problem solve together and and work through some things and learn some things and see what comes out of it that they may want to do. You want to keep pushing no matter what. If your child is dealing with bullying, keep going to the school, Keep going to the adult in charge. If it's happening at a sport or a, or a club or an after-school program, pull your kids out of it if you have to. And now I know in Maude's case, there's no adult in charge in this scenario, unless going to the school will, is, a, is a possibility and could help. In other situations, though, where there's a definite adult in charge of some sort of program, you definitely want to do that. 
make sure you get very loud and very insistent if you need to, to get the problem solved. You want to keep going and keep problem solving with your child until you get the outcome that you are comfortable with. If you want to raise confident, emotionally healthy kids, my successful parenting playbook gives the foundation for connection, cooperation, confidence, and so much more. It will change your parenting and your child's future. I promise you, it didn't just do it for me. It has done it for thousands of parents that I have worked with. I have some great testimonials for parents. I get these wonderful emails. I got another one just last week from a parent who is so glad that she found the classes. And I am so glad I learned to implement these in my family because our family is so different than it would have been otherwise. I don't know what our family would be like if I didn't use these tools with my kids as they were growing up and all of the things that I've used with them, all the self-esteem, all the growth mindset, all the helping them to become responsible. You know, while other people are complaining and worrying about their teens, I don't have any of that. And actually it's quite the opposite. I don't worry about them. I have this amazing connection with each of them, this trust, this mutual respect. They are fun to be around and it's really fun to watch them growing up and going after their goals. So the best thing is it's only $7 a month, literally about the same price as a latte to change the trajectory of your family. So you can check that out at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.